parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hey friends, welcome back to Raised Resilient. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and I'm so glad you're here. I am really excited to record today's episode because this episode gets at the heart of some of the most common criticisms of gentle, respectful, conscious parenting. And I think for most of us, as we transition away from a more traditional parenting approach, we can start to question, is this new way of parenting actually effective? Are we actually raising kids who are prepared for what the world is going to bring them? The world is hard. Life is hard. So are we actually preparing them for this life that is going to have challenges? Or are we raising kids who aren't going to be prepared to live in our world? Are we raising kids who are going to be unable to be respectful to others? Are we raising kids who aren't going to comply with authority? Are we raising kids who are going to expect people to just give them things without working hard for them? Kids who won't be able to handle feeling disappointed. If we're not punishing our kids, how are they going to learn the lessons we need them to learn? Aren't we just letting them get away with anything and showing them that their behaviors don't have consequences? If you have ever asked these questions, or you have somebody in your life, like your partner or your parent, who is asking you these questions, you are so not alone. And my hope is that today's episode is going to be one that you can listen to over and over when you have these questions come up and that you can share with, say, your partner when they're asking you, Okay, but is this way of parenting actually preparing our kids for life? And I just want to say, if you have found your way here to this podcast because someone shared this episode with you, first of all, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And I hope that this episode answers your questions in a way that feels non-judgmental and that you can actually be open to hearing. Because I know that a lot of times these conversations can get heated, polarized, and they can be really difficult conversations to have, especially within our partnerships. And I also just want to say, if you specifically are struggling to communicate with your partner around parenting, you do not want to miss next week's episode because next week's episode dives into the question I get all the time, which is how do I get my partner on board with gentle, conscious, respectful parenting? And I'm especially excited about this episode because I'm going to be discussing this important topic with Brianna Capodacanal, who's a fellow licensed therapist. You might know her from Instagram or TikTok as Conscious Mommy. And she and I are going to be talking about how hard it is when you don't feel like you're on the same page as your partner when it comes to parenting. And of course, we're also going to be talking about how to get on the same page and how to do that without putting unnecessary strain on your relationship. Because we all know how hard it is when you feel like all you're doing is arguing about what to do with the kids. So if this is something you are dealing with, you do not want to miss next week's episode. Okay, so now that you're hopefully really excited about next week's episode, let's get back to today's topic. So in this week's episode, I want to speak to this really common concern 
that if we are raising our kids in a way that lets them show up warts and all, that lets them make mistakes without necessarily being punished for those mistakes, are we raising kids who are going to be disrespectful, who won't be able to follow rules, who are ultimately going to be unsuccessful in life? Because none of us want that. Why would we ever want to parent our kids in a way that doesn't set them up for success, right? And this is exactly the concern that our listener who wrote in with this question, this is the concern that her partner is expressing to her. So here's her letter. Our listener writes, when I'm trying to explain this way of parenting to my husband, who's more in favor of traditional parenting approaches using punishments like timeouts, he's concerned that not punishing our kids for outbursts or hitting won't prepare them for the real world. He equates it to millennials having their parents cater to their every need growing up, and then expecting promotions after six months at a job. I've tried to explain that punishment doesn't teach anything and that our kids just don't have the emotional maturity to handle their feelings yet. But I think that's difficult for him to understand. Do you have any suggestions on how I can explain this to him? Okay, so first of all, I just want to acknowledge that traditional parenting approaches can feel really comfortable, especially when we first become parents. And that's because it's what we know. It's how we were parented. And it becomes the default unless we actively choose something different, which requires moving out of our comfort zone and maybe unlearning some of the things that we think we know about parenting and children. So for example, most of us entered parenting with the idea that kids' behaviors are a reflection of how good they are. The idea that good kids listen and comply with their parents' requests. And we also entered parenting with the idea that our child's behavior is a reflection of how well we're doing as parents. So we believe that we're doing well as parents when we have kids who listen when we ask them to do something, who comply with our requests, who don't push back, who don't tell us no, who don't get mad and hit us. When we have kids who are doing what we're asking them to do, we feel good about our parenting. And when we have kids who are struggling, we feel like we are failing. So if we believe that our kids' behaviors are a reflection of how good they are and how well we are doing as parents, then of course we're going to focus on the behavior. We're going to do whatever we can to get that undesirable behavior to stop because we want to have a good kid and we want to be a good parent. Who doesn't want those things, right? It makes so much sense that we would focus on these behaviors and getting them to stop. But we have to unlearn this idea that our children's behaviors are a reflection of their goodness or our goodness as parents, because that is not true. Now you might hear that and everything in you might be screaming, uh, yes, it is true, but that's because you have been conditioned your entire life to believe that. And what I mean by that is that you were most likely raised in a way that made behavior the number one focus. You were punished when you didn't do what your parents wanted you to do. You were probably rewarded when you did. And so for most of us, our entire lives, we've been conditioned to believe that behavior is the number one thing to focus on. But the attachment research tells a different story about behavior. And when I say attachment research, I'm talking about decades and decades of research that asked the question, what do kids actually need? How can we actually raise kids who are ready to live in this world? Kids who are empathic and kind and know how to take care of themselves and to care about others at the same time. Kids who have positive social relationships, positive relationships with people in their immediate family. Kids who are successful academically and eventually in careers. 
kids who are able to go on and build healthy, happy families of their own if they choose to do so. These are the things we're really talking about when we say we want our kids to be happy and successful, right? So many decades of research looked at this question of how do we get there? How do we get to these outcomes that we all hope for for our kids? If we want our kids to be successful, what do we need to be doing now? What do we need to focus on as parents in order to get there? And what they found was that one thing predicted the likelihood of those outcomes more than anything else. And that one thing had nothing to do with the child's behavior. It had nothing to do with how often a child hit or how often a child listened to their parents or how often a child melted down. That one thing that predicted all of those positive outcomes that we all hope for for our kids was the quality of the parent-child relationship. How connected that child felt to their parent. How safe that child felt emotionally with that parent. That was the one single biggest predictor of kids being successful as they grew into adulthood. So the attachment research tells us pretty clearly that the focus doesn't need to be on behavior itself, but on how well we as parents help our kids when their behavior tells us that they're struggling. Because here's the thing about behavior. The attachment research tells us pretty clearly that behavior is always, always, always the outward manifestation of what's going on internally for your child. There's always a reason why a child is misbehaving. It's not just random. It's not purposeful. It's not personal. Kids misbehave because something in them doesn't feel right and they don't know or aren't capable of a better way of expressing that in this moment. The behavior itself is not the problem. The behavior is a symptom of the actual problem. I like to think of behavior like the tip of an iceberg. So the behavior is the part of the iceberg that you see above the water. But underneath the water, there is this whole other part of the iceberg. Let me share an example to make this analogy a little more clear. Let's use the example of hitting. So what does this iceberg analogy look like with hitting? The hitting is that tip of the iceberg that we see, but what's going on underneath the surface when a child hits? Most of the time, hitting is an impulsive behavior that happens because a child is overwhelmed by their emotions. It might look on the surface like that child knows what they're doing and that they are choosing to hit, but that's not what's happening. Hitting typically happens because a child's mad feelings are too big for them to handle on their own in that moment. When humans are emotionally overwhelmed, the logical reasoning part of our brain goes offline. It's not reachable, which is why when you're emotionally activated, you might say things you don't mean or do things you wouldn't otherwise do. But with our kids, we have to remember that their brains are still developing. So they are navigating these really intense feelings without a fully developed brain. So if it's hard for us as adults sometimes to do the right things with our mad feelings, Imagine what it's like for a child who is navigating these really tough moments with a brain that is not fully developed. And so you might have a kid who totally gets that hitting is not okay. Even my two-year-old understands that hitting is not a desirable behavior. But here's the thing. It's almost like their lack of impulse control and their lack of ability to regulate that mad feeling. So regulating emotions just means doing the right things with our big feelings. But it's almost like their lack of impulse control and lack of emotion regulation ability in that moment betrays them. They don't want to hit. They're not choosing to hit. It flies out of them impulsively when their mad feelings are overwhelming. 
So let's say you send that child to timeout. You say, okay, you're going to timeout so that you will learn to do better next time. But that assumes that next time your child's brain is magically going to be more developed. That next time your child is going to be better able to regulate those tough emotions in their bodies, even though they haven't had any more practice. And what I mean by practice is the ability to feel their intense feelings while a parent keeps them safe. So think of it like gutter guards at the bowling alley. Your child isn't really able to play the game without those gutter guards. We are the gutter guards for our kids when they're experiencing big emotions. Your child goes to hit you and you physically stop their hand. You say, I can't let you hit me. I'm going to help you stop. But it's okay to feel mad. I get it. Mad feelings are okay. So you are their gutter guards. You are letting them feel the feeling, but not letting them do the behaviors that come from the feeling that cause harm to themselves or others. Just like sports or academics or anything else your child has to practice to get better at, your child has to practice feeling intense emotions and having you help them do the right things with those emotions. And our kids will never, ever, ever get better at this if we don't actually allow them to feel the feeling while we act as their gutter guards and keep them safe and keep ourselves safe. So when you send that child to timeout, you take away the opportunity for that child to practice feeling the feeling in your safe presence. But you also send the message to your child that something about you or something about this feeling is inherently bad or dangerous. That child doesn't learn that, oh man, next time I feel mad, I better not hit because they already know that. They know that hitting is not a desirable behavior. They know that hitting isn't the way to go. What they learn is that my feelings are not safe. My feelings get me into trouble. My feelings lose me my parents' love. And that is terrifying for a child. So our kids don't learn not to hit when we send them to timeout. They learn to stuff down the feeling that got them into trouble in the first place. Kids internalize that whenever they feel that feeling, they've got to stuff it down, push it away, because that feeling gets them into trouble. And our kids do not want to be in trouble. They want to please us. They want us to be happy with them. Now you might hear that and you might say, my kid knows what he's doing. My kid is purposefully pushing my buttons or my kid doesn't care if she makes me mad. Sometimes it seems like that's exactly what she's trying to do. And I hear you. I have three kids. I know that these behaviors sometimes feel so purposeful, but behaving in ways that make you angry goes against everything in your child's neurological and physiological wiring. Your child's brain and nervous system is wired to stay in your good graces. And there's one simple reason for that. And that's that our kids depend on us for survival. If you ever got so angry with your child, and I know you would never do this, but if you did, just for the sake of example, get so angry with your child that you said, you know what, I'm done. You're on your own, kid. Your child would not survive. And on a deep, deep, unconscious, biological level, your child knows that. And so our kids are wired to stay connected to us because it keeps them safe. It allows them to survive. So you send that child to timeout for hitting and this child now feels threatened. Everything in your child's body is sending alarm bells going, this isn't safe. My parent is mad at me. And remember, your child's behaviors, in this case, the hitting, is just how your child's feelings are flying out of them when they're struggling. They're not in control in those moments. So when they know that their behaviors make you mad, they are going to do everything in their power 
to white knuckle through those feelings next time so that they don't get into trouble, so that they don't make you angry. And this is why punishments on the surface can actually look pretty effective, right? You send that child to time out, next time they white knuckle so they don't make you mad and they don't hit next time. And on the surface, it looks like we did what we set out to do. But what actually ends up happening, and the research shows this, that in the long run, we end up playing a game of behavioral whack-a-mole. So what comes out as a hit today might come out as a kick tomorrow or a disrespectful tone next week. The need or the missing skill that drove that behavior is still there, whether or not you punish it. Or let's say that your child is able to white knuckle enough to not hit or kick or use the disrespectful tone. They internalize that anger and they just white knuckle and hold on so that they don't make you mad. Now you might hear that and you may say, okay, the end result is that my kid stops hitting. So what's the big deal if they learn that they shouldn't feel mad? Well, here's the thing about that. When we shut parts of ourselves down, there is always, always, always a cost. And I believe that it's a cost that most of us would be unwilling to pay if we fully understood it. When we teach our kids that they are inherently bad or that something about their feelings is inherently dangerous, that is where we set them up to not be ready for this world. That is where we set kids up to feel afraid of their feelings, to run away from their feelings, to eventually lose themselves in substances or relationships or binge eating. These are kids who end up anxious and depressed because tolerating uncomfortable feelings like anger, like disappointment, like jealousy, is so overwhelming to them that they spend their entire lives running away from their feelings. And the kids who are expected to always fall in line, to never push back, to never tell us no, these kids learn to put others' needs before their own. They learn to avoid conflict at all costs, which might sound innocent enough until you think about the fact that this is a child who's going to be about to get in the car with someone who's had too much to drink, and they're not going to say anything because they don't want the driver to feel uncomfortable. And I know it might sound like what I'm talking about is extreme, right? That's not going to happen to my kid. But let me tell you, as a psychologist and a child therapist for decades, this is what happens when we don't let our kids feel their feelings, when we punish them and shut them down in those moments. And I know you love your child. I know none of us would choose this road for our kids. We would not choose for our kids to grapple with anxiety and depression and eating disorders and the lack of ability to prioritize their own needs and take care of themselves. We would never choose that. We want our kids to be successful. And like I said in the beginning, that's actually why many of us choose to punish our kids in the first place is that we want them to be successful ultimately, right? But again, I think if most of us truly understood the cost of parenting in that way, we wouldn't do it. The attachment research is really clear that if we want our kids to grow up into resilient, confident, successful human beings, then we don't need to look at their behaviors as a measure of our success or theirs. We need to look at our relationship with them. We need to look at how connected our kids feel to us. We need to look at, do our kids feel safe in our presence, even maybe especially when they're struggling and behaving in ways that are not optimal. We need to be asking ourselves, does my child trust that no matter what intense feeling they're having and what difficult behaviors come from that feeling, that I've got them, that I am going to be their gutter guards and help them feel the feeling without doing the behaviors that are harmful or inappropriate. Because that's what our kids truly need. 
to ultimately be ready for this world someday. Having your child's back or being their gutter guards, so to speak, in these tough moments might sound like this. I can see that you're so mad. I can't let you hit me. I'm going to help you stop. Seems like you're feeling a little sad. I get that. We all feel sad sometimes. And even when we feel sad, we need to take care of ourselves. We need to brush our teeth. We need to eat something. We need to get some sleep. It's okay to feel jealous of your brother sometimes, but I can't let you destroy his drawing. I'm going to help you stop and let's talk about how to handle these feelings in a better way. You're feeling a little nervous about going to your soccer game. I hear you. We all feel a little nervous sometimes doing something new. Here, why don't you get your cleats and I'll get your bag and we can talk more about how you're feeling in the car. So in all of these examples, we're letting our kids feel their feelings, but we are also helping put parameters around what they can do with those feelings. We are kind and confident leaders helping our kids express their feelings in healthy ways because on their own, left to their own devices, they are unable to do that. They need our help. So when parents ask me, okay, I'm not supposed to punish. I hear you, but what the heck am I supposed to do instead? That's it. That right there. You are going to help your child express their feelings in a healthy way. And you're going to do that with a calm, kind, empathic confidence. Because you have the wisdom to know that feelings come and go. Your child doesn't know that yet. They have to feel their feelings and let them pass through them in order to really trust that. So no, we are not just letting our kids do whatever they want. We are going to step in and help them stop when they are behaving in ways that are not appropriate. We're going to help them learn. This is what you do when you're having this feeling. Yes, we all feel like hitting sometimes, but we can't do that. That's not safe. And your brain has not yet developed the impulse control to be able to stop on your own. So I am going to help you stop. That's what we do instead. No, it's not always easier. Sometimes sending a kid to timeout is the easiest thing to do in that moment. But responding to our kids in a way that truly meets their needs is always, always, always going to be the right call for the long run. And I know we all care about the long run, even though in the moment we might feel overwhelmed, triggered, and frustrated. I'm going to say more about that piece, about how we get triggered and frustrated in just a minute. But first, I wanted to also touch on this idea that kids having parents cater to their every need is what causes kids to ultimately become entitled adults who expect a promotion after six months at a job. This is such a common criticism of gentle, conscious, respectful parenting. And I think in order to really address this, we have to talk about the difference between needs and wants, right? Because what I just detailed for you, this idea that our kids need to be able to feel their feelings in the presence of a safe and connected and attuned caregiver, that's a need. That's a very real developmental need. And if over time we don't meet that need, I'm not talking about not meeting it once, but like to never meet that need for your child, there are very serious long-term costs to not meeting that need for your child. But I think as parents, we all know that sometimes what a child needs in that moment is different than what they want in that moment. So when we talk about parents catering to their child's every need and having that turn into entitlement, what we actually mean is parents giving their child everything they want giving in to every wish, whim, and desire, which is a very different thing than meeting your child's needs. So for example, a child is maybe out shopping with a parent and they ask for a toy as kids do. And it's totally okay to buy your child a toy sometimes when it works for you, but sometimes it doesn't work for you. It's not in the budget or it's not something you're able to do that day. And so you need to say no. 
And actually, it's really good for your child when you say no and then you let them feel their disappointed feelings in your safe presence. This is what we've been talking about this entire episode. You need to let them practice feeling disappointed. But some parents are so uncomfortable with the idea of their child expressing disappointment, having a meltdown, sharing big feelings in the middle of the store that they say yes to avoid the meltdown. If you're listening and you've ever done that before, you're not alone. We've all been there. But if that becomes your way of interacting with your child is constantly tiptoeing around big feelings so that you can avoid the meltdown and giving into their every whim and desire, never saying no, then that is a child who will never learn to tolerate disappointment. For my Harry Potter fans, I like to call this the Dudley Dursley phenomenon. This is where parents are so uncomfortable with the prospect of disappointed feelings that they say yes when they want to say no. That is not a healthy approach. And there's a big difference between not punishing your child and allowing your child to feel their feelings while you help them do the right things with their feelings. There's a big difference between that and letting your child just do whatever they want. And no one is advocating that you let your child just do whatever they want all the time. Even in not punishing our kids, we are helping them stop unhelpful, unsafe behaviors. We are not just letting them do whatever they want. Sometimes we're going to say no. Sometimes we're going to set a boundary and our kid is going to have feelings about that. And that's okay. In that moment, we're going to help them do the right things with those feelings. We're not going to give them the thing that we said no to just to take the feelings away. Do you see the difference? So in the example I just shared, where you're shopping with your child, your child asks for a toy and you say no. Meeting your child's needs without giving them everything they want might sound like this. Yeah, did you really want to bring this truck home? I hear you. It's such a cool truck. We can't bring it home today. I know that is so disappointing. Oh, I see that you're so upset. I know. I'm going to put the truck over here. I can't let you hit me. I'm going to help you stop. You're so disappointed. We all feel that way sometimes. It's okay to let those feelings out. I'm here. Responding to your child in that way meets their needs, even though you're not giving them what they want in that moment. So the kid having the meltdown in the store because his parents said no is not the kid who's going to expect a promotion after six months at a job. That's the kid who's going to be able to tolerate the disappointment of not getting that promotion, who's going to be able to feel that uncomfortable feeling because he's had some practice with it. And he's going to be able to say, you know what? I'll try again for next time. The kid who's not going to be able to do that is the kid who has never experienced disappointment because their parents gave them everything they wanted, not needed, wanted, so as to avoid a meltdown, so as to avoid the feelings. Now, before I wrap up this episode, I wanted to come back to this idea that sometimes as parents, when we're trying to meet our kids' needs and let them feel their feelings, we get so frustrated and triggered. When our kids are doing things that we were never allowed to do as kids, things like hitting, things like yelling at us or speaking to us with a disrespectful tone, our nervous system gets activated and we feel reactive. We might feel angry. We might feel like punishing that child. And that makes so much sense because most of us were raised in a way that didn't meet our needs to feel our feelings in the presence of a safe caregiver. 
We felt mad. We hit because like our kids, we had underdeveloped brains and we got sent to timeout where we got spanked. We were the generation that was told to get up, brush it off, move on. You're okay. You're fine. Stop crying. Toughen up. Our parents didn't have decades of attachment research. They didn't have Instagram or TikTok to tell them, hey, actually, your child needs you to let them feel their feelings. So as a generation, we were moved away from our feelings. We were taught to stuff down our impulses and white knuckle. And now, even as adults, many of us are really uncomfortable with big emotions. Many of us still don't know how to regulate our anger. And so we get reactive or harsh or snippy with our spouse or our kids. Now, if you recognize yourself in any of that, it is not your fault. It's really freaking hard to give your child what you were never given. It's okay that it feels uncomfortable. It's okay that it's hard. You're not doing it wrong. It's just really, really hard, but it is doable. And my hope is that after listening to this episode, you'll at least understand why it's important, even though it's hard to resist the urge to reactively punish your child when their behaviors make you feel uncomfortable. I have a whole episode on parenting triggers that would be a really great one to go back and listen to if you're hearing this and you want to know more about why you feel so uncomfortable when your child is expressing big emotions. I also invite you to download my free guide, Six Mindset Shifts to Ditch the Overwhelm and Parent in a Way that Feels Good, because shifting how we show up as parents always, always, always starts with our mindset. So go to raisedresilient.com forward slash mindset and grab your copy. That would be a wonderful place to start. So that wraps up our episode for today. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad you're here. And until next time, we've got this. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.